Hello, friends. Thanks for tuning in. Today's topic, sustainable outrage. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, sustainability by itself is very, very important, and I've been learning a lot about it this past year, and I'm really excited about sustainability just as far as, like, emotionally, personally, being able to be more fruitful um, and more effective with, you know, the same amount of emotional and physical energy. So that's my definition of sustainability. But outrage. Okay, what is outrage? Outrage, um, like, besides the, the kicking the chair because you tripped over it in the dark, you know, what, what is outrage? So, um, outrage to me is any time in this podcast, my definition for outrage is going to be um, whenever there is a particular issue in need of justice that kind of picks you. And and that's a really a bit of a confusing phrasing because in my perspective, God chooses that topic for you. So, um, in my husband's case, he is really passionate about pro-life issues. He spent a lot of time praying about it, caring about it, reading up. He knows about that. That's one of those issues that's chosen him. God has chosen that for him. And in a very weird sense, like, yes, I care about pro-life issues, absolutely. And I'm sure if when we have children, I will care a thousand times more. Um, But that's not an issue that God has chosen for me. Very interestingly, God has chosen for me the issue of sexual abuse and human trafficking. So this podcast is going to use that as an example. I'm not going to go into deep things about it or stats or anything like that. Um, but that's the example that I have because that's that's my issue. Um, so the first thing I wanted to say about it is God chooses it for you. It's not something that, like, yeah, sometimes we have an influence over what we care about. But sometimes when God wants us to go in a particular direction, he picks those things for us. He places things in our path to signposts, road markers, milestones. He he says in his word that he directs the footsteps of the righteous man. And I believe that he also directs the click steps of the righteous woman. So he does that both in real life, orchestrating divine events and interactions. And he does that on the internet, you know, orchestrating who meets whom and what tweet is seen by what person. So you meet someone else. Um, and whenever the Bible says man, it really is referencing mankind. And so I wish I wish there was a more open-ended phrasing for that for all of my my female rights-minded friends, and I respect them for that, but I'm totally cool with just mankind. So just saying that. Now, for me, the thing that I noticed in the beginning of this journey of God choosing sexual abuse and human trafficking to be an issue that I cared about, one of the things that I noticed God doing was candle dipping. 
This is a metaphor. What I mean by this metaphor is he would expose me to some really difficult information and then he would give me a break for a little bit. And then he would expose me to some new and harder information and then he would give me a break for a little bit. And so it was similar to him dipping a brand new string into a hot vat of wax and then letting that layer cool and dry and then dipping it again to create another layer. This is an extremely important process because in order to be sustainable in your outrage long term, you have to learn about an issue. But if you learn about an issue all at once, you will overexpose yourself. I'm not sure if that's a correct terminology, but what I'm trying to say is you will wear yourself out to the point where you can't function. (laughs) That's not sustainable. That's certainly not sustainable outrage. And so candle dipping, when God consistently exposes you and then gives you a break and then exposes you and gives you a break, he's developing those layers of both on a practical level, he is expanding your knowledge of that issue so you're more informed and educated. And on a meta- metaphorical level, he's, he's giving you additional layers of wax so that your candle becomes thicker. And we're going to come back to that later on as I explain the rest of this idea. So the, the other phase that I went through, there was one time where he gave me enough of a break Um, from the candle dipping, where I said, hey, God, is this still a thing that I'm supposed to care about? You know, I went through a phase of questioning and asking God, like, is this still important for me? Like, can somebody else take care of this? Do I have to be a part of this? (sighs) And this is kind of a reinforcement of the whole God chooses this topic for you thing. In my case, I remember asking that question in 2012. I'm like, hey, God, is, is, is human trafficking a thing that I need to care about? Do I have to continue letting my heart break over this? Or can I delegate that? Can I let someone else handle it? Well, God has really specific ways of answering us, um, at least in my case. And so 2012... Um, I'd been asking him that question for about maybe like a month or so. And then I went to a conference um, called the One Conference. It only happened that one time that I know of. I don't think it happened in 2013. I didn't hear anything after that. But anyways, it was in Miami, Florida. It was a really good conference. And as one of the parts of the conference, they had an exhibit where they set up... um, Not trailers, but um, cargo hold. Um, So these big, like, aluminum tin cargo boxes. I'm forgetting the right term, but you know what I mean. Um, You know, they, they put them on ships and they take them wherever. And so they set up this display of cargo containers. There we go. And on the inside of these cargo containers, they took plywood and they cut it out in the shape of a woman crouched and sitting in the fetal position. 
and just huddling. And then they spray painted it black and they wrote a name on in white on top of the black outline. So when you walked into this container, the shipping container, you see all these names. And it was a really well done exhibit. They had other things to it, but that's the part that I remember. And it makes it specific. It reminds you that these are individual human people who are made in the image of God and they are given personalities that are only one of a kind and they're just, they're precious to him. And, you know, true religion is defending and protecting orphans and widows and girls and girls and men and boys who are stuck in bad situations, like that counts a hundred percent. So when I walked into the shipping container, not only did I see these names, but I also saw my name very specifically, like I said. So on the left side of the container, there it was, Meg, on one of the, on one of the people. And on the right side of the container was my middle name, Nicole. It was so specific. It hit me like a gallon of paint in the face. It's like, all right, question answered. (laughs) Am I supposed to care about this? Yeah, yeah, I'm writing your name on it. And uh, my friend took pictures for me and sent them to me. I have them buried on a hard drive somewhere. I really need to call Marie my tech stuff. But anyways... And so, um, that was a really difficult, um, it wasn't difficult in that moment, but having an issue choose you is difficult because it pops up at the most interesting times. Um, and so God has... God's done a little bit of, he's given me kind of a long break. Um, There was a time in 2016 where I realized that I needed healing for sexual abuse. And so I sought out Trees of Hope and I went and I attended a Bible study. Um, And I've recorded a podcast about that called My Sexual Healing. And it's buried at the beginning of this. It's, it's, uh, I recorded that in 2017. 2018. Yes. I recorded that in 2018. Um, and God did a lot of hard stuff in my heart. Um, but it was really, really fruitful. And I'm a different person because of going through that Bible study. I'm so thankful. And I'm still in touch with a fair handful of people that I met, the the women that I met there. Um, since then, God has given me a really healthy break from this issue like it's not come to mind literally for two years plus three years three year break (laughs) which is good not gonna lie um but then uh late last month he brought it to my attention again and um 
let me tell you the long version. This is a podcast. We're in it for the long version, right? Okay. So, yes, the long version starts, oh my goodness, I'm tracing the long version in my head and it starts, okay, I'm going to tell you the long version. So, Ben and I get married August of 2017. I'd had some therapy and treatment for my mental health condition, but I still wasn't stable. So October of 2017, I'm like praying that Ben doesn't find me on the floor in a pool of blood. Like that's how bad I still was even after getting married. Those first three months of marriage were so hard. So, so hard. And there was one night in October 2017 where I was laying in bed and just my my mental state was spiraling really bad to the point where I was thinking of the most grotesque self-harm that I'd ever thought of. And I just, I thought to myself, okay, I need help. And I got out of bed and I put on enough clothes and I grabbed a key and I walked out of my apartment down to down to an apartment number that I knew were Christians and thankfully they were still up and I knocked on the door and they let me in and I just sat on their couch and I cried for like a good 20 minutes and then they prayed for me and walked me back home and I went home and I went to sleep during that month of October and that just brokenness because of the imbalance that I still had going on chemically. God gave me this tiny idea of these two balloons representing the goodness and mercy of God. And the reason that these two balloons represent that are because I'm constantly afraid that I'll lose them. At least I was. I was constantly afraid that I would lose the goodness and mercy of God. And when I was a child, I was holding helium balloons would give me low-level anxiety because I'm like I don't want to let go and see it go and see see it go into the sky. Like if we were indoors it was fine obviously unless it was like a high ceiling place that sort of thing. But if we were outside and we had a helium balloon, I was really concerned. So I was holding on to that balloon, you know. And, and that, that thought just came into my mind as I was falling asleep. Maybe even that very night that I had that really difficult mental spiral. And so, I realized I needed to turn, I needed to illustrate that. And so I I sketched some things out, and I sent it to some friends, and they loved it. Um, And then April of 2018, 2019, yes. So fast forward a year and a half, April 2019, I turn it into a coloring book. And uh, I currently have a friend, Rex Staus, editing it to turn it into a vlog, the whole process of that coloring book. And there will be some overlap between that story and this, so sorry about that. But the coloring book, 
process was really cool. God totally came through and he gave me images for really difficult scenes in that coloring book. The hardest scene to draw was the Valley of Shadow of Death. And I started to draw this wolf and a vulture. And then I drew this little girl afraid of them because they're, she's being attacked by them. And then I drew Jesus behind her. And there's this tiny little overlap of his arm is at his side holding his staff. And then he raises it up. And so you see it raised, but initially there's, there's this little fade of it at the bottom where it's, his arm is straight. So you can see that there's motion happening. It took me three days to draw that. I had to draw each element by itself separately because I was so angry. I knew, I knew the minute that God gave me the image for that page that he was going to use it to minister to victims of sexual abuse. Specifically. I mean, it's going to minister to victims of different types of abuse, but specifically sexual because that's my issue. That's the issue that God has chosen for me to care about. And so... I went through a lot of anger drawing those images. I was able to push through it to finish. I finished the coloring book. And obviously after that, you're exhausted. <laughs> I was exhausted. A person who does that kind of push. I'm a, I'm a sprinter. Um, I do short bursts and then I rest. And then I do short bursts and then I rest. Um, but if I do that consistently enough, I'm able to make a marathon out of it. So... Fast forward to December, and I'm doing another coloring book for the Lord's Prayer. And this one, the battle was similarly intense, but it wasn't specific to this podcast because the difficult scene for that was forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I know God is going to call the church to repentance because of those two images. And, oh, it was emotionally exhausting. I was... I was full-on depressed the week before I finally visualized what those images should be. Um, And eventually all of these will be available for download as free coloring pages for anyone who subscribes to my email list. So go subscribe to my email list and you'll be the first ones to see it. Yeah. Um, So... I'd finished this coloring book for the Lord's Prayer, and it went a lot better than the first round because I knew more technically what I needed to do for the images to turn out better. Um, And they did. They turned out really nicely, and they were well-received, and it was great. Um, And then my life and my passions have always been been kind of like a zigzag. I I have an art piece for that too, but I'll I'll spare you. So I'll do one thing, and then I'll do something else, and then I'll do one thing, and over time they all relate to each other and they all go in one direction. But it looks like I'm all over the place. But I'm really not. But I am, but I'm really not. I'll let my husband tell you and be the judge of that. So I'd finished illustrating the Lord's Prayer and I was tired from that and I was refocusing and rethinking other things. And I decided that 
I needed to start streaming on Twitch. Now, that seems, again, really random, but it all ties in. Here's the backstory. So, I was thinking one day about how the people who, the internet friends who've been with me the longest, have either watched my videos or listened to my podcasts. And so I realized that putting myself out there via video and via podcast is actually more sustainable for me than individually reaching out to people. It's far more sustainable for me than Twitter or following people on Instagram. And I realized I needed to get back into making video content. But I thought about YouTube and vlogs and Facebook and video and Twitch and video and Twitter and video and all the places that all want the video and Instagram and video. And I was just, each of them have different expectations for what their videos look like. Now, I've, I've spent hours vlogging on YouTube, but the algorithm for YouTube has changed a lot and the style that I vlogged in 2012 is not as well received anymore. And I mean, I still can put vlogs out on YouTube. I think I still will. Um, hopefully my friend Rex, when he finishes the um, Psalm 23, the story of a coloring book vlog, you know, he's volunteered to help edit other vlogs for me. So we'll see. We'll see if I can get more vlogs out there on YouTube. But I realized that as far as like a sustainable output for me, YouTube isn't really viable. I don't have the energy to edit vlogs the way that I, that I would like to. Um, I, I spend that energy on my dance films and that is very selective. So I realized I need to live stream. You know, Instagram has been a good place for me to live stream for um, on my personal account, I'll sing worship songs all the time. Like, that is like my home base. My people there are great. They encourage me. I'm so thankful for them. If you're one of them listening, thank you. This is a digital high five. Boom. Yes, you're awesome. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. Um, but I was thinking about all the different places and I thought, hmm, maybe I should try live streaming on Twitch. And so initially, I was really, really pumped about it. And then I actually went on Twitch and looked up a bunch of people. And I looked at... I looked at... I looked at various profiles. And I looked at different categories. And I flipped them from highest viewers to lowest viewers to most recently started chat. And I got really discouraged. Now what you need to understand is I love gamers. I'm a daughter to, sister of, and wife of gamers. It surrounds my entire life. I grew up watching video games. I watched the original Doom when I was five years old. I know about video games. I know about pixel count. I know so much random tidbits about video games. It's hilarious. And I've never, ever, ever referenced any of that material in what I post on the internet because it wasn't something that my primary audience would relate to. 
But Twitch is all primarily gamers. There are categories for art and painting and music. But games are really what's going on. And so there's this category category called just chatting. So I've gone in that category and I've looked at some people and stuff. Um, anyways, I scouted out Twitch and I got really discouraged really fast. And I was like, ugh, I'm not sure if I should do this. Maybe I'll be wasting my time. And, and all, the majority of the girls that I saw on there were all showing cleavage. So a lot of a lot of the art that's on the painting channels also is very sexually oriented. You've got cosplayers on there who are showing off all sorts of body parts and skin. It's just, there are safe and healthy and beautiful, wholesome Twitch channels, um, painters and whatnot. Um, but there's also a lot of boobs everywhere. So... I was just feeling really, really discouraged. And then, guess what happens? The issue. It comes back. And it body slammed me. Emotionally speaking. So, Ben is subscribed to a YouTube channel called Nerdwriter. And he does really detailed analysis of all sorts of things. But mostly media and entertainment, and he analyzes the sound of this genre, of this movie, and the way that sound tells the story, and super cool videos, very, very in-depth analysis, really like it, really appreciate it. He did a YouTube video on the movie Spotlight. This movie, in case you didn't know, came out in 2015. And it is about the sexual abuse that was reported by the Boston Globe of Catholic priests of boys and girls, but mostly boys. What you need to understand is that I lived in Albany, New York in 2002 and I was delivering newspapers when that story broke I was 15 years old rolling up newspapers putting rubber bands around them and sitting them on people's porches I think that was the first exposure that God gave me to this issue and ironically it didn't particularly hit me super hard that time there was kind of when I was 15, there was kind of this awareness of, well, they're male priests who've made this vow of celibacy, but they don't have particularly wholesome doctrine, and the doctrine of celibacy isn't biblical anyways, and what were you expecting? So my response was kind of callous. But also, I remember what I was going through at age 15, and I didn't have the emotional energy to care. So, yeah, that was a thing. I was going through my own sexual abuse. 
But when I watched the nerd writer video about the movie Spotlight, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I proceeded to go on YouTube and look up the little scene excerpts from the movie and kind of get the gist of the storyline. And I was awake till four in the morning processing my emotions. And the two big conclusions that I came to was, were, what English am I speaking anyways? This is a whole nother layer of candle dipping, for one. And two, I can actually do something about it this time. There are two things I can do about sexual abuse this time. I can make the Psalm 23 coloring pages available to anyone on the internet in exchange for an email address. I can sell them on Etsy for a dollar. I can give my internet friends around the country flyers to post in their community bulletin boards so that more people find out about these coloring pages. I can email my old Bible study leader of the sexual abuse and I can send her the files and she can send them around her entire ministry and they can print them off in batches of however many need as often as they need. I can send the files to sexual abuse recovery places around the country. Just here, I drew this. It might help you. I can actually do something this time. So that's one. And two, I can go and be a light on Twitch. (laughs) It's really interesting how this candle dip, this time, resulted in a deeper motivation. The anger... that once was surface is now these deep hot embers and so the i'm mixing up my metaphors here but bear with me my candle is thick enough that when god lights the wick it's not going to burn to the bottom all at once it's it's going to burn and it will take time and then god will You know, give me a break, dip me in some more. And then, you know, the the cycle continues. But my motivation for getting on Twitch was totally renewed because of the Spotlight movie. Because... My brothers are gamers, and they've got a lot of hurt, and they've got a lot of rejection. And I wasn't particularly a good sister to them. I was pretty messed up myself, so, yeah, I struggled. I don't know that I could have done anything differently or better. But I can go on Twitch... And I can maybe be a big sister to one or two guys who would never ordinarily interact with someone like me. And when I say like me, I mean 
a woman of integrity who's not going to take sexual harassment, who's also not going to get angry at them because of sexual harassment, who's going to have compassion for them and share funny stories in my life and just surface topics and interact with them and care about them and not expect anything. And, you know, you can... I watched somebody who was analyzing Twitch streamers the other day, and he said, you know, you can fake a personality on YouTube. You can turn it on and off, you can cut out the parts you don't like, but you can't do that on Twitch. Because of the style of vlogging that I did back in 2012, I know that Twitch is going to be good for me because it's all about being authentic on video for long extended periods of time. I already know I can do that well. And I know that I can do that while responding to comments, while engaging with people and caring about them, even if they're, the way that they're treating me isn't exactly appropriate. And don't get me wrong, I, I just banned five accounts today. <laughs> so it's not like I'm going to be a pushover and just let people talk to me any way they want to. But my point is, is that the way that I treat those dirtbags is going to set an example for the other men watching. And they're going to realize, hey, this girl, she doesn't disrespect their humanity just because they're being dirtbags. She still sees them as human beings. And if she respects them, maybe she can respect me. And the thing that I think a lot of angry gamers and um, incels involuntarily, involuntary celibates, as the term goes, the thing that a lot of them have in common is they don't feel very respected by a lot of people, by their family, by their friends, by women especially. And so if I can be, you know, a tiny little light in a very different and dark place where I have just enough common experience to overlap and say, hey, I relate to you. Maybe we could be friends. <sighs> then I will have made my God proud. Sustainable outrage is something God chooses for you. And I wouldn't have it any other way. My name is Meg, and I love my Jesus, and I believe in living inside out. Now it's your turn. Go live it.